was wrong. I always thought it was come as you are. Oh, wow. Well, we don't quite have that sort of, uh, you know, we're not paying anyone for this music. Yeah. So I will say that that is uh, Hayward Williams. That's uh, okay. a local gentleman that used to uh, play in my brother's band. And so he broke off and has his own uh is his own record solo recording artist now, so he, he puts together some uh, some good music. He actually has Very a nice. new album out right now, so that's huh. good. Hayward Williams, Choice. check it Hayward out. Hayward Williams, yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. It's just like folky, yeah, it's good. So yeah. is this being recorded? Are we it recording? Is. We're good. Yeah. So yeah. so we've uh, that that voice that you heard, the new voice that you've heard is uh, Stan Farmer, CFP, uh, newest member of the Walkner Condon International Advisory Team, number one. You know. R- reason we're excited to have Stan here is when clients ask me, Keith, what happens if you get hit by a bus? I can now say with, with you and Syl, hey, we've got we've got somebody here. Uh, Stan, I've known you for a long time, so I know we're going to have uh, a very different interview with you than we, we did with, uh, with Syl, who's very uh, much, uh, you know, on top of things uh, in terms of uh, conciseness. Um, and, and you, you're a little more loquacious, I would say. Um, but you know, what, what drew you to being a kind of a, a financial advisor and then what drew you to being a financial advisor who works primarily with expats? Cause you're kind of unique. You're much like me that you started in working with domestic clients primarily, right? At, at Morgan Stanley and Merrill Lynch. That's absolutely right. Um, after spending a few years after law school practicing, uh, law in the twin cities, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul for the uninformed, that's the Twin Cities to me. Um, <laughs> I uh, decided that my passion for the stock market, much like you, Keith, right? I decided that, you know what? I, uh, I really uh, am obsessed with markets. I'm obsessed with investing. I self-taught myself so many things about investing that I thought I knew everything. Uh, and then, of course, st- made the career move over to Merrill Lynch and realized, uh, much to the joy of most of the people at Merrill Lynch, I didn't know as much as I thought I did. Well, there's one thing that everybody enjoys. It's making lawyers seem like they don't know as much as they thought they did. Yes. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. And, 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 and me too. But um, in this case, no, I, I, I made the career t- transition all the way back in 2004, right? And... Um, Worked primarily uh, in my natural market with other attorneys, right? So I, I was building a nice practice uh, on the domestic side as an advisor uh, with, you know, a youngish uh, attorney crowd that I could identify with, okay? Uh, then life circumstances changed and I had an opportunity uh, to start working around the world, Um and working for um, in an area of the world that, that I happen to care about because of family relationships, uh, moved over to Angola and uh, started to work in private equity, getting uh, or at least attempting to get uh, in at the ground floor on what was uh, supposed to be you know, a really exciting opportunity as this country democratized and capitalized and, and uh, started to, to build and diversify away from oil. Um, lots of promises were made about how, what the future would look like there, and I wanted to be a positive part of that. Yeah, because people who, who don't know Angola suffered through a, a decades-long civil war. 
um, as well and, and really had a, a lot of struggles and, and uh, they ended up with a kind of a strongman leader in the, in the country. And one of the things that was driving their economy for a long time is they discovered oil offshore, right? And, and yes. so you, you saw a lot of uh, uh, Americans connected to the oil companies moving there, um, but they were looking longer term to you know, hopefully use that, those resources productively and diversify, right? Yes. And the, the infrastructure there uh, was devastated by the war. And because of the war, the entire country's population seemed to uh, run away and end up in the capital city that was more fortified and defended. So mm-hmm. you ended up with a with a capital of Luanda that was supposed to be 600,000 people, you know, when it was designed, if you will, to the extent that anything is truly designed in Africa. But but um, you ended up with a city that had maybe 5 million people, 7 million people, then 9 million people. And um, you had the, the obvious, you know, problems with, with road infrastructure, with housing, um, things like that, and um, I hooked on with a company that was uh, uh, had big, big plans in many different uh, areas to help really develop this country uh, and uh, to fortify that infrastructure, but also to provide housing uh, to what was supposed to be an emerging middle class in, in Angola, not really just for the expat crowd, but for Angolans. And so that work kind of took you all over. Uh, you, I think, spent time in Portugal, which is the former uh, you know, colonial capital of, of or colonial owner of Angola, and also in the UAE, and and so on and so forth. And and what kind of things did you learn uh, about investing that you know complemented what you had learned at, at you know Merrill Lynch long ago? Well, I mean, that's an interesting question, Keith. You know, um, a lot of things that that I did in trying to get things going uh, actually kind of in many ways pulled more back on my traditional legal uh, knowledge, right? We were trying to get things established. I was writing uh, up a... uh, um, basically, a you know partnership document and uh, a prospectus for um, a fund that we would uh, a private equity fund that we would list uh, in Luxembourg, and I was doing that while working in a Dubai office in the DIFC. Uh, then we we moved it over uh, to Lisbon. Uh, well, actually, we had both offices going, but I moved over to the Lisbon office. We were thinking about doing something concurrently on the Lisbon exchange, uh, or at least registered uh, with the Lisbon authorities, because obviously a, a lot of the investment in Angola, the partnership was the strongest there. So, um, you know, in in terms of in terms of investing. Um, this is all happening, of course, during the greatest financial crisis that 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 I'd seen in my lifetime, right? And and in in a weird way, uh, being so involved in this uh, you know startup finance, if you will, it was almost like it it wasn't happening in the way that my fellow colleagues back at Merrill Lynch were experiencing <laughs> uh, in Minneapolis. So you know, it, it was. It was entirely different and unique, um, and what was going on in the in the in the developed markets, um, we were somewhat insulated from because you know as long as the price of oil was strong and it really was super strong during this difficult time, 
you know, things in Angola were just going full bore, mm-hmm. right? Um, things I found out as an expat that that are relevant to today, probably you know more on the personal side. Um, yeah, the taxes, the F bar, uh, dealing with um, you know how could I access my funds to invest in some of the real estate development that was going on in Angola. All of these things, um, you know, I was completely, admittedly, and unashamedly uneducated about. And one of the things I think that you had to educate yourself as well is you have uh, an Angolan spouse uh, as well, and um, your kids are also, uh, you know, Angolan citizens. Uh, True. And so one of the, the sort of areas of expertise that you've developed over your time is working with mixed nationality couples, as, as you uh, refer to them as um, one American, one uh, non-American, for lack of a better term, American citizen, and what what sort of you know lessons have you taken from that, and what what sort of what have you demonstrated your you know your expertise on, and what have you learned? Sure. Well, that that's that that's a lot there. I'll, yeah. tr- I'll tr- if if I miss any part of that, feel free to to to. to I like the big chirp questions. in any time. Yeah. Um, it's an ex-professor, you know. That's but. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what, what is this? The back back to school? Is, is this, <laughs> yeah. this is one question in sixty seven parts. Yeah. Uh, you can take the third per, part last if you'd like. Yeah. Okay. And the final answer is <laughs> two. No. Um, no. Seriously. Um, you know, since I've been back and working with expats in the capacity as an international financial advisor over the last six years, um, you know, a lot of the research and a lot of the responsibility that I took on in my in my prior job was uh, dealing with international estate planning. Right, as as a person with a legal background, uh, it's important to understand that most of the world has a completely different legal structure than the United States, right? And even places that share the common law heritage like the UK or Canada, uh, they, they have their own legal systems and it's not some perfect, you know, um, uh, match with the United States, right? So when we think about, plan, you know, estate planning, we're thinking about taxes, we're thinking about the the transfer of wealth. We're thinking about the disposition of one's wealth when we die, but also uh, how we share wealth with people while we're alive. Okay, so it's it's much broader than just this idea of what happens when I die. All right, part of that 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 becomes quite unique is when you have family members that are not. U.S. tax residents, right? So again, going back to the notion that what makes expats uh, in a precarious situation is this, that because of citizenship-based taxation in the U.S., they always have to follow the U.S. rules. Uh, when they're resident in another country, they have two sets of rules that they have to comply with and, and income taxes they have to file. But when it comes to their estate planning, they also need to be uh, mindful of these rule books and how they materially differ Right, so um, as a as a person who has uh, who had a, a non-U.S. spouse, um, it, we have to think about how that changes the dynamic of how we share wealth, possibly in some ways uh, to our disadvantage in the in the sense that we could have U.S. tax liability if 
we just buy something jointly, but it's funded by the U.S. spouse. That could be seen as a gift that goes beyond the annual exclusion carve-out, specifically for non-citizen spouse gifting, right? And then we, we also have, on the plus side, uh, the fact that if wealth is transferred to a non-U.S. person, then depending on the character of that property, they may no longer be. That property may have escaped the tax jurisdiction of the United States. We may literally gift the General Lee across the county line and avoid um, the, uh, the, the, the tax consequences of U.S. capital gains. Um, but it's not as simple as that, right? Nothing ever is when it comes to these issues. And I, 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 I love working with complex situations. And when you've got people with different tax, uh, tax status uh, that aren't a perfect match, it creates kind of the potential for weird outcomes. And you really have to familiarize yourself with a lot of different rules and how that comes into play. I think that, uh, you know, every chance that I get to meet with the expat team here, I understand about how I'm so fortunate to just be a domestic financial advisor because you guys have so many complex situations. There's always a nuance to everything that you do. And between the financial plan, different tax rates there, the investment management side of it, capital gains, citizenship-based taxation, all of that that plays into it. I mean, if you're gathering one thing from this podcast, it is that you need a professional that helps you with all of this and that actually knows what they're doing and not just moonlighting as an expat advisor. They're actually living this. Um, I know we're very happy and fortunate to have Stan here because he's a CFP. He's got a lot of experience, obviously, uh, you know, and having that unique background himself, he's lived it himself and, uh, you know, he knows how to get people through all these things. And uh, so, you know, Thank you for being here, Stan. Uh, I think you're going to be a great asset to our team at Walkner Condon. And uh, I know that we're all going to be listening a lot more to Stan because he is a content uh, machine, as is Keith. So they're going to put together a lot of the resources that you read going forward and view in any other medium that we want to develop. And uh, you know, we hope that this is going to be a, a long and fruitful partnership here with uh, Stan, as well as Syl, who has recently joined us. So we're super happy to have that. And uh, we will uh, come back at you more with uh, more episodes of Give Me Some Truth that are more expat-focused. And uh, thank you for joining us. Hey, Clint, just yeah. let me say, hey, look, the, the pleasure is all mine. I want to thank you for, for bringing Syl and myself into the family here. Um, I, having worked with Keith in the past, uh, really believe that our international team now is extremely dynamic. We're now work. I'm now working uh, exclusively on a team with the two guys. That if I were to take off and move overseas tomorrow, which I promise not to do, um, <laughs> I, I would. Uh, these are the two guys I would. I would thoroughly trust with with my family's uh, financial planning um, and investment management. So. 
uh, very excited about what we're going to do here at Walker Condon. To, uh, Walker Condon to build this. He's, he's only got nine more to go, <laughs> and then he has to buy us beer. <laughs> Maybe three. It'll be dessert. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank, thank you, thank you, Stan, and really excited to have you on board. This is our attempt at a short, plain English disclosure. Advisory services are offered through Walker Condon Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission. All matters that we discuss during the show are for informational purposes only. Look, we weren't attorneys. We aren't tax accountants. Uh, If you want to rely on that sort of advice, go to your CPA. Go to your estate planning attorney. uh, Go to that trusted investment professional. If you're looking at global financial advice, sit down, meet with an advisor, consider your whole financial situation, and then decide whether or not that fits your own situation. We all know that past performance is not indicative of future results. We know that any sort of performance that we talk about, any sort of charts, graphs, anything else that we bring up, should not be relied on to be, first of all, uh, reliable because there could be some error in it and then also applicable to your own personal situation. So please take a step back before you listen to something and act on it and consider your own personal situation and meet with a professional where applicable. Uh, Review your own investor objectives, risk tolerance, your time horizon, and we all know that all investing involves risk and possible loss of capital. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Give Me Some Truth, and we hope that you can join us on a future episode.